gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to Sporting Dog Adventures. On today's show, the first part we're going to call for the love of labs. I thought that it would be fun if my beautiful wife Kate and I talked about the funny personalities of the dogs we've had now and in the past. And then in training tips, we're going to talk about proper nutrition. And lastly, on the hunting tip, I am going to revisit once again dogs that break uh, because it's an issue I've had in the past and how I fixed it this year when I worked with a couple of my dogs that we had issue with. And these dogs are even running competition, but they got so excited that they broke and how I fixed it. So stay tuned for a fun show. And again, we've got Kate here. So Kate, for the love of labs. <laughs> we thought this would be so much fun. Um, we do love our Labrador Retrievers, obviously. And we're probably at the extreme end where basically our lives revolve around them. So our house is customized for them. Our vehicles are customized for them. Uh, it is our life. But we thought we'd share some of like the more funny antics and things that we do with them or have done with them. And... So, yeah. And this could end up being longer than the way, normal show because way we're, too long. we've got a lot to talk about because we've got some real characters that we've had in the past and that we still have now. Well, we have five in the house right now. So, of course, all five of them have their name, their like given name. And then, of course, every single one of them has like 20 different nicknames. So you've got my, my chocolate girl who's uh, Saggy Acres, Scarlet Bell. So Scarlet Bell has become Scarlet. Then it was Scar Scar, then it was Scarp, then it was Scarpy, then it's Scarp Scarp, then it was Good Good Puppy, then it was GGP. Am I missing any? Um, no, I think <laughs> so, that's about it. Yeah, Scarlet is, it, her personality yeah. is, she is very animated. Um, she always gives you this look where she looks at you with this excited look and we, we coined it with the, oh wow. Wow. Like she's really excited <laughs> and uh, she loves to sing. So when she gets yep. amped up. She will sit there and talk to you, and she raw, 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 and then she barks and howls, and she's very much like uh, our dog Lucy, who we can talk about today, uh, but she's she's very animated in, in her personality, and it's, it's, it's fun to have her around. She's just a card. Oh my gosh, she's hilarious. She is a, a larger female, and the funny thing is her best buddy in the whole world, who is Memphis Belle is so much smaller than her but she is like totally intimidated by memphis memphis kicks the snot out of her when now, she wants to and memphis has her different names and they all <laughs> the origin always goes back to when she was a puppy memphis when she was a puppy was a chubby little thing and i used to call her the memphipotamus so the hippopotamus put memphis in it so the memphipotamus so then she was potamus moss mossy pot <laughs> Mussy. Mussy. Yeah. So she's got, and it's funny because she listens and comes to all these names. But yeah, she was this little chubby dog that had like a little stick of a tail. She's now 50 pounds. 
And even when she was 10 pounds and Scarlett was 60 pounds, she would terrorize Scarlett. <laughs> she would she'd bite her legs and chase her around, and Scarlett didn't even know what to make of her. But I, I coined her from the beginning. She's fearless. This tiny dog, and she's still tiny for a lab, is just fearless. Yeah, the other dogs love a bone, and we, we have voices for our dogs, and hers is always, you're too dumb to have that. And she'll go and take the bone from the other dog. She just walks up and takes it from them. And the other dogs look like, oh, she took my bone. And they're scared of this little, yeah. this little dog. She runs our house, but yet everyone tells us when they're here, oh, she's so sweet. What a wonderful dog. And it's like... She's a little terror. She whoops up on everybody else. Scarlet, yeah. Scarlet in particular is like her chewing toy. So yeah, there's those two. We also call them the Squirrel Sisters. If you've seen the Pistachios commercial with the elephant, yeah. And he talks about the Squirrel Sisters who would like who have basically trashed his house and they had a huge party. Yeah, they are our Squirrel Sisters. They are partners in crime, those two. So, can't, so those you, are the girls. You can't put them in a crate or a kennel no. together uh, if they have their... their personalized scarfs on because they will tear them off of each other and then tear them up. Uh, nice lighted collars. Uh, we've chew had up. many destroyed because they chew on each other. And you let them outside and they just sprint around and do laps trying to get bumpers from each other and look like tandem horses a lot of times where they both have the bumper in their mouth. And neither will let go and neither will back down. Yeah, they're just the the goofiest little pair. I don't know what one would do without the other. But that yeah, that's those two. So Memphis is driven from our... our female uh, Lucy Bell, who Lucy was, uh, she was the most animated, neat dog that I've ever owned. Um, she uh, she would sing and howl. She actually had a following at the sports shows that we did. Uh, she would have a tip jar and routinely raise about $200 on a three-day weekend because we would tell her to sing whenever anyone came up and they would throw money in the tip jar. But Lucy was uh, had cancer and that's why we kept, uh, we had one of Lucy's daughters and she was having her last litter, so that's why we kept uh, Memphis. And it's funny because Scarlett was from a non-singing line, and Lucy and Memphis was. And Memphis does not sing at all, and Scarlett sings and howls. Memphis so doesn't make a noise. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she does not. She uh, actually, we always say she's the backup dancer for the group. When Scarlett starts howling, she knows Scarlett will get a treat, a treat. So she dances around and jumps around, like uh, kind of looking like an eighties eighties uh, rap show. <laughs> she's hilarious. Yeah, she looks like a from a living color or something in the back. She's still dancing around with her paws in the air. And that's what Lucy would yeah. do. Lucy would mm -hmm. Lucy would actually dance and sing and do both. And well, she was an entertainer. Yes, yeah, she was. She was quite the entertainer. That little dog would just throw her heart into going to sports shows and entertaining their fans. I still remember the, uh, the uh, end of the TV show. We would run the credits, and we had Lucy with her head out the window with her jowls flapping as she as she as they played a, a neat little song. So yeah. Lucy always she always brings a smile to my face when I think of her. She uh, she uh, was quite the dog. She was uh, had went duck hunting. She was a upland dog, and uh, toward the end there, I actually used her for tracking deer. And I just got a picture today that was quite sad for me because I we lost our son Cole and we've lost Lucy, and it was a picture of. Cole's first archery buck that we used Lucy and filmed her tracking and uh, she found and it was it's it's a picture that makes me sad and happy all at the same time but she was quite the squatty little animal and her saying was I'm not an animal yeah she would sit in the car even in vehicles that have like those captain seats and she would sit in the seat like a person and she would look out the window yeah so her thing was I'm not an animal 
Yeah. That's what she would tell you. She definitely thought she was a little boy with a body hair problem. Oh, yeah. And she'd hang out with her little boys. So, yeah. She was my kid's dog. And she, uh, yeah, she was, she was, she was always their dog. She was the one dog I didn't really do all of her training because the kids were playing with her once and I was going to take her to train. And they're like, can't we just keep her here? And I'm like, you know what? Have your own dog. But yet, she still had great drive. She still listened. She still loved to work for me. So she would still work in the field. Uh, but yeah, quite, quite the, uh, quite the little dog. Quite the character. Yeah. So then we get into dogs of the past. We get into your favorite dog, Dixie. And Dixie, Dixie was out of my old girl, Lily, who you never got to meet. Lily was my first dog. Incredible drive. She ran me in the field. Made me look like a fool many times in front of people. And she had a bond with me and a love for me that uh, that was second to none. So she is one that I always miss. Lucy or uh, uh, Dixie was out of uh, Lily. Lily always had kind of like a Tony Soprano's mom's voice, <laughs> like "Hey, what are you doing?" And she would she would she basically had a little little bit of a you know smoker's voice, but she was a fun dog for me and the dog that really started everything for me and taught me about dogs and developed my love for dogs. And out of her, our first litter I ever had, I kept our female Soggy Acres Dixie Belle. Dixie, yep. And Dixie, um, she was a, a bigger girl like her mom, Lily. Um, I came into her life when she was a bit older, so I missed the younger years. But I got her when she was a bit older, and by that point, she was just the most mellow chill wonderful loving dog and i know you told me that one of the reasons you kept her is she was such a love bug that she always wanted to be picked up and held and loved and that was definitely the trait that i remember about her the most and what i really loved about her and why we really bonded you know when we were first dating i remember coming home one day from work and i came in the door and she had like this bossy cow waddle as we called it and she kind of bossy cow waddled over the door to greet me and it was just like aww. She came to greet me. That's so sweet. And from there, we kind of, were, we were inseparable. I mean, she was our shop dog. She went with me to work all the time, all the time. We would spend 24 hours a day, day in and day out, because she was just with me all the time. She'd drive to work with me. We'd go to work all day. We'd come home. Um, yeah, just very lovey. You know, she'd see you walking by, and she'd be, you know, laying wherever, and all you hear is thump, 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 thump. Because she would wag her tail, very hopeful that you might stop and pet her belly or whatever. And of course, who could not? How could you pass that by, you know? So, but yeah, she was just the, the most lovey dog, um, lived a very long life. She was just shy of 15 when we lost her um, back in January of 2017. Um, we kind of say she had like that quintessential bell dog look, you know? She had like the, the good head and the long ears. We love the ears. So now the next dog we can talk about is Pickett. Pickett is actually out of Dixie and is like a 20 pounds bigger Dixie Belle. He is. And he has the same over-the-top love me, love me, love me, love me personality. But on top of that, he is just like, I don't know, like this big lovey dum-dum. He's titled. Don't get me wrong. He's not ignorant. He's just like, I don't even know how to describe it. He has, he has a voice, like all of our dogs have like a voice, and his is, oh, hello, hello, oh, hi, dear, hi, hi, oh, love me, love me, oh, I have a stuffed hippo, would you like to play with my stuffed hippo? We always figure he's kind of like stepbrothers, that'd be like where he's at, like he, yeah. he needs he needs his stepbrother, and we always use the uh, kids as his, as his stepbrother, so that, that's always kind of a fun thing, too. 
Pickett in the field, I mean, he was and still probably would be if I took him out. He was my best upland dog I hunted over. I mean, he just had so much talent. And he would be so focused in the field. But, yeah, the minute you got him home, he turned his goofy switch on. Oh, big lovey goof. Big doof. Yeah. I used to like to watch him do upland because, um, now mind you, these are Labrador retrievers. They're not pointers. But uh, he would hold the hard point with the tail and everything. So he'd be out there with those skinny-looking pointer dogs, you know, with their little whippet-like tails up in the air. And here's this big brute out there, and he's got his big old fluffy tail up in the air holding a point next to him. It was just comical. But. So then that brings us to the dog that helped me start the uh, TV show, Rommel. Rommel, who's very old now. Very, very He is. He's still, he's still around. He's still got a good quality of life. Um, I call him Big Pharma because of all the supplements and uh, medications he's on. Uh, I believe he's got more pills than kibble. But uh, he was funny because we had him where he ran hunt tests. And he had a real quirky personality where he, he we always looked at him and he always acted like something was weird. Yeah, so that was Rommel saying, it is weird. That's weird. This is weird. Everything was weird if you were Rommel. And of course, he had his. All the dogs have a very distinct voice. Uh, that's their own. And he, uh, I still remember, I brought him home, and he had run competition, and he wanted to sleep in the shower <laughs> because it was like, I guess, the same size as the kennel. And he would hang out in the shower and just lay in there and sleep. So we had to make sure it was dry. I would put a towel in there for him. Uh, eventually, as he got older, my goodness, did he get more personality? After he turned ten, <laughs> he just heaped on personality. Yeah, it's like uh, the very rigid nature of his training finally started to wear off, and he realized it's okay to be a little bit goofy and have more fun. And now, my goodness, he's old as dirt, and he's absolutely comical. Like the last year to two years in particular, he uh, he realizes because he's old, Mama spoils him, and the rules don't apply, so he can do whatever he wants, basically. And so he does, and he's just funny and goofy he lays on his side and he bats at his face and he huffs and he puffs and he swats at you and he faux bites you it's absolutely hilarious so yeah he's he's becomes quite the sweet boy he loves going to town uh on saturdays uh kate will take him to town so he always thinks every day is saturday and is always trying to get into our car because <laughs> he thinks that means he gets to go to town uh Rommel's funniest quirk is that you could have a t-bone steak sitting on the floor or a loaf of bread, and he would steal the bread. And we actually have had this happen. I actually would bring the groceries in, and there's so many bags, especially when we had such a big family, that I'd pile them on the counter, and then eventually the bags got piled on the floor. And I actually witnessed him pass up the bag with all the goodies from the butcher in favor of grabbing a loaf of bread and running off of it. He loves his bread. He lo Oh, I love bread. That's always Rommel's statement. So yeah, Rommel will get his piece of bread as a treat, and that is like the ultimate treat for him. So again, he's he's quite old. I don't know how many more months. Uh, we're probably down to, you know, months, maybe, maybe years, but probably months left with him. But uh, he's got a great quality of life, and he is definitely uh, uh, still a card, so it's always fun. Now we've got our next two dogs. We've got Ace. Um, and we've got Tank, and there are new up-and-coming dogs. Um, Ace is funny because he just sits and stares. <laughs> he actually makes me quite self-conscious uh, of myself because he will sit and stare at me all the time. I think a lot of it is because he's been so well-trained and so, so rigid on training that he's waiting for me to give him a command. But it's like, dude, you can relax. You don't have to sit there and stare at me. But, yeah, he is, he is 
he's got quite the personality that way. And he has become our son Callahan's dog, where Cal comes home and Ace is just beside himself, happy, like smiling and jumping up and down by him. And it's always like, dude, why don't you act like you're excited to see us? He's not. He wants Cal. And he puts his paws up on him and gives him kisses. Yeah, so. Cal will say Ace kisses and Ace will give him some kisses. So, yeah, yeah Ace is uh, a fun one. And now we're we're soon working on transitioning our, our new dog, Tank, that we just got back from running competition. Um, Tank, I think, will be one of the more funny dogs that we've, that we've owned. Um, he is funny because when you start wrestling with him, I always say he uh, basically, pardon the, pardon the expression, he bitch slaps people. He like comes at you and starts taking roundhouse swings with his paws <laughs> to uh, slap you on the legs to play. And uh, he is a big, solid dog, so you have to be very careful when you're playing that you're, you're well, uh, you, you've got a good base under you so he doesn't knock you over. But yeah, he is going to be quite the bull in a china shop. He is just a goof. And the goofiness of him and the awkwardness of Ace really undermines their talent. I mean, these are extremely talented dogs. We just bought a new ribbon rack to put all their, their precious ribbons up on. So you never know it, though, when you're playing with them. They just seem like a big bunch of clowns. You know, they're funny and they're lovey and they're just, they're great to be around, which is exactly what you want in a lab. You want them to be able to turn it on in the field and turn it off and just have fun at home with them. So that is the end of this segment, The Love of Labs, where you can hear a little bit about our dogs. Next, in the training portion, we're going to talk about the importance of uh, nutrition for your dog. So stay tuned for that after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. On this training tip, we are going to talk about one of the most important things for your dog in training, and that is nutrition. I've got my lovely wife here. Figured we could talk about nutrition, how we pick foods, and how we work on maintaining their weight. So, Kate, welcome back to this segment. Thank you. And we talk about nutrition and food and things like that quite a bit because you really can't stress the importance of it enough. Um, we are also unsponsored, so any opinions or whatever we give, we're giving them honestly. And I think when you're looking at foods, that's one of the most important things that you need to like sort out for yourself. Take into consideration that a lot of the reviews written online were written in exchange for free product. Um, and so you're not going to get that from us. We don't get stuff for free. So if we, you know, provide advice or suggestions, we're doing it sincerely and based on our experience. We actually feed the exact same food to our dogs in the house that we do to our kennel dogs when they're in for training and our puppies uh, because it's a good food. Your normal uh, food amount or dollar amount that you're going to spend on a bag is probably around a dollar a pound to a dollar thirty a pound. So you're looking on a 40 pound bag. Uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 45 to $55. And you can spend so much more. There are so many, I would call them boutique type of foods out there that have very interesting ingredients. Yeah, they're, they're very interesting because uh, in our opinion, they're not necessarily essential. Um, dogs can't digest certain things like certain plant fibers and things like that. And a lot of the boutique foods, these designer foods that are very, very pricey, have high amounts of fruits and veggies. So you're talking things like blueberries, carrots, apples, peas. What else have we seen? Just you name it. Cranberries, everything. Correct, yep. Um, so basically you're paying a premium price for something that your dog's digestive system can't break down. 
So you're going to be picking it up out of the yard is really the long and the short of it. So Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when it comes down to food, uh, I am a believer that I stick with uh, our for our dogs. I stick with a 26% protein, 12% fat. So I go with almost what would be called an active um active breed food. I don't go with a performance food. We do feed our pregnant females that. We feed the puppies that. But even with puppies, once we get to that four to six month range, I switch them to that adult regular food so that they're getting enough protein and enough carbs and enough fat, but not too much because my opinion is that stuff's very hard on their systems. And if I need the dog to have more calories, I can just increase their food. Mm-hmm. One of the things that as newer dog owners, before I was with you, you know, growing up with dogs at home that we learned too late was the whole thing with the protein and how hard protein is on a dog's kidneys um, long-term, especially as they age. So that's definitely something you want to be mindful of, especially if your dog isn't performing at a high level where their body isn't metabolizing all that protein for the purpose of building muscle. Um, don't don't over-proteinize your dog. You know, Keep Keep in mind that as they age, they really don't need it. Chances are they're going to turn it into fat, and it's actually hard on their calories or on their kidneys, rather. So I hope that helps you on our training tip today. Next is going to be our hunting tip. We're going to talk about what I did in season to help fix a breaking issue with one of my dogs after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. On our hunting tip, I'm going to talk about a breaking issue I had with my dogs. And I will say for one, when we had the TV show, it was tough because you're traveling so much. Dogs would break. You tried to fix it, but I didn't have time. And now I'm at the point where we're not filming anymore. And I'll be darned if the dogs are going to wreck one of my hunts. Uh, This year, I had my dog Ace out. Ace is qualified all age. He's got his master title. He's got his finish title. He's got one HRC Grand Pass. What a dog. And he broke. When he broke was we were in that early part of the morning when it is just magical. I call it the stupid hour. That is when the ducks will just fly in and they don't seem to care. It must be because they can't see. They know where they're going. And we had, it was during a teal hunt, we had four birds down on the water. The birds were still working, still circling us. I didn't want Ace to go and he broke. So I fixed him during that time. I was very collar heavy on Ace, but again, it's know your dog. Um, I knew he could take the pressure. I was very collar heavy on him. When he left, I would give him a continuous stimulation until he turned. And then when he came in, The next time when I shot, I looked down on him and he had budged a little bit and I used a nick on him several times to reinforce you are not going to go anywhere. He still broke again that hunt. So again, did the continuous. Then when he came back in, I told him to sit and I nicked him. And then when the birds came in the next time, I actually was talking to him while the birds were coming in. We were getting ready to shoot, telling him sit and nicking him twice during that time to reinforce it. I will say that he was not happy with me. (laughs) We had a down bird later that we went and looked for, and he looked very offended. He was not happy, but it fixed it for the rest of the season. The next time I got into position where we had multiple birds on the water, he had been sitting there like a champ, looking like he was ready to explode and leave, but he didn't. And we finally had a little bit of a lull. If 
it was up to me. I would not have released him because of the fact that I wanted to keep him in because it was still great hunting, but we had one bird that was close. I looked at him and I thought it's time to reward him. I sent him when he came back in. I loved him up, made him sit. We waited for the other birds, but I gave him that retrieve and then gave him a ton of praise after he brought the bird back. So all dogs are different, but you need to work with them in the field. You need to work with them outside of the field in training, and you need to be fair to them. So I think my story on how I handled Ace should hopefully help you for the future. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. We really love having you guys. Uh, come on and listen. If you have any comments or questions you'd like to talk about on our show, hit us up with an email, sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Have a great day and God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures Rumble